0: I invite you to enter this portal of strange and unimaginable. I simply ask that you suspend your judgment and expand your mind in the vastness of the unknown. Come witness the wonder that is our reality. The truth is out there, and so am I. Wife of a Demon Hunter Extraordinary Tales of All Things Paranormal. Hello, my name is Dorinda Stewart, and I am the Wife of a Demon Hunter. My guest today is a paranormal investigator, a Reiki master. He works with six different paranormal teams. He has two podcast shows. He lives in Texas, and he can sense, see, and hear spirits. Please welcome Michael Koff. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm going to get right to it, Michael. Um, On your bio, you had uh, an encounter at a pretty young age, so just... Can you talk to us about your first encounter with a paranormal? Sure.
1: So at two years old, I was living in Chicago, Illinois, in a suburb called Lansing. And our house had a basement, the main level, and upstairs, and an attic. So we were doing work in the attic, and... To be honest, I'm not sure. I don't remember why I was even up there. I guess maybe curiosity as a kid. But there was a vent that had a board over it so that you shouldn't have been able to fall through it or anything walking up there. So I'm up there, and I happen to go over to the vent. And so to tell the story in sequence, I remember falling into the vent, cutting my eyebrow on a wire, and this white glow kind of carries me down, and I land on the concrete basement. I get up, no broken bones, no bruises, no anything, just my eyebrow cut. And I then... When I was about 13 is when I had the dream of it, and I saw the white um, energy surround me, and I remembered having a conversation with this entity that's helping me out, and I'm at two years old, I'm sitting there saying to the entity, if you want me to help humanity, and you want me to be able to do all of this to help them, I need access to my gifts, I need you know, to be protected. I need all of this. And they were in agreement and landed and then forgot all about it until I became a teenager and then started recalling this. And my first reaction when I started recalling this was, how at two years old would I have the sense to barter with someone? (laughs) (laughs) And then... Uh, last year, I did an interview with a medium named Catherine Sorlos from Greece. And she said, there's another part of the story you're not aware of. I said, what is that? She goes, there were two beans there in the shaft while you were falling. One keeping you from another because one grabbed your arms and kind of pulled you in by accident, Maybe. And so we we were, I was like, oh, okay. So there were two there, and I was protected by something. And so it's like, it's one of those stories that's like, it keeps evolving and more pieces come in. So that's what I love about the paranormal is once you think you know the story, then another piece comes in and you're like, oh, I only got the tip of the iceberg.
0: So that's what got you into the paranormal then? Those, those particular experiences?
1: That and the fact that I grew up with shadow people, always seeing shadow people around. And so to me, it was like, this was just every day. And what got me investigating actually was I was at a... Retreat for a men's group where we were teaching men how to go from boyhood to manhood and express, you know, and communicate in a appropriate manner for everyone. So there's none of this accidental lashing out because we build up and bottle everything up. And a friend reached out from... A Facebook group I was in and asked me if I wanted to join a paranormal team and I was like you mean this is real because I've seen it on TV but I didn't realize people actually went out and did this and so that's where my true paranormal journey started was with them about five years ago going oh I can go and investigate That is so
0: cool. (laughs) Southern Fried uh, Paranormal group. Wasn't that that the group that reached out to you?
1: Um, actually, that's the group I'm in right now. Oh, okay. And the host of one of my podcast shows, Carla Norris, is the co-founder of that team. The team that found me and introduced me to group investigation was Dirty South Paranormal. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) But, uh. Those are great names, by the way, for different paranormal groups.
1: (laughs) I stepped away with them because I like collaborating and I go out and investigate more with friends. And I, I kind of stepped away from being locked into investigating only with the team. And I like the opportunity to go to different places and... Experience different
0: people's styles. Yeah, yeah, because you can learn from others. You know, we all we can all learn from other people. That's how I look at it. So you're a, you're a well traveled uh, uh, person. You go around the world doing a lot of um, different countries and things like that. So talk to us about some of the encounters that you've encountered on your journey um, out of the country.
1: Um, one that I will say rattled my nerves the most and I kept quiet about the longest was, I would have to say when I was in southern France I was in La Chateau and my friend and I had climbed up the night or two before and you know how they say like certain sacred places have guardians or energies Mm -hmm. that protect them? Well, as we're walking up to the city, I'm hearing spirits and stuff running in and, and the trees along the sides of the road, but I'm not seeing anything, and I'm getting more and more of a feeling of, turn back, turn back. <laughs>
0: danger, actually, danger, not... warning, warning. Like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we were like right to where you could enter the city. We were at the city entrance. And I was like, we got to turn back. He's like, we're right here. I was like, no, you don't understand. We got to turn back. So my friend and I turned back. And I could hear everything making sure we went down and out. And the next night, we're going up. And it looks like, if you've ever seen those old Viking movies, the fireworm, they call it, where it looks like all the little...
0: People with torches makes like a oh yeah
1: like a worm a fire. Well, I seen that coming, and I said to him, um, "If we're going up, we need to go up." So we kind of hurry. And I'm noticing as we're going up to the city, I don't hear the rustling to the sides like I did the time before, and I'm not feeling nervous about entering the city. It's like I'm being I'm more nervous of what's going to happen if that fireworm catches up to us and to give you an idea this fireworm looks like it's coming straight down the mountains but if you look at the mountain during the day it's all forest so there would be no straight path but that night they were in a straight path so how they walk through trees i don't know but so we get in we're walking through the town and we're being very quiet so we don't wake anyone up and we see the glow behind the mountains and we're like you know that's really cool we turn and we're going around the tour magdala and my friend veers off because he hears something and i don't hear it so i was like yeah go check it out i take two steps forward And I look up, and this lady in white just floats across the path, looks at me, and disappears into the tour magdala building.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm like, okay, did I just see what I think I saw? And I'm like, that's really cool. And my friend, just as she disappears, pops up behind me, and he's like, oh, it was nothing. I was like, oh, well, did you see that? He goes, no. But as we start walking, we see, like, two eyes looking at us through a bush at the end of the trail. And we're like, um, maybe we should take one of these beer off to the right because I'm not sure what that is
0: <laughs>
1: up ahead. And he's like, yeah. So we end up veering off to the right, back into the city, right at the entrance. And we decide, okay, we're going to walk back oh, back well the next day we go to this ancient cathar castle and on the board in big lettering and everything is beware of a woman in white she's an omen of death according to the people here and i'm sitting here going i just saw one last night oh my god i'm marked for death now and so i was like I don't know when this is going to and so I kept quiet about that until probably a year or two ago when I started (laughs) sharing that story because I was like, I didn't want anyone to know I was marked for death because I didn't want any harm to come to them, and I didn't want them to go to extreme measures to try and save me and come to find out. Apparently it was a different
0: lady in white. <laughs> yeah, because <Obviously. laughs> you're still here, right? <laughs> I just—it's so funny. I was just—I had just—I wrote a little story about the lady in white. Uh, we, you know, because that's kind of a ghost, you know, legend that's been around. But in according to the legend that I have here, um, it's people who are hitchhiking shouldn't pick up the lady in white. So when you're out late at night, do not pick up the lady in white. So right. because you didn't pick her up. Michael, that's probably what saved you. (laughs) Probably, she's like, you don't have a car. You don't have a car. You don't have. You don't have uh, transportation. (laughs) So thank goodness. You don't have a car. You don't have nothing. So it saved you. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So, have you ever been in a ghost town? I mean, you're you you live in the south. So have you ever been in a ghost town? And if so, was it haunted?
1: I've been in a few towns where. I did a road trip with a friend from Holland, and we were on Route 66, and there's all kinds of ghost towns along there, and some of the towns we stopped in, we were, like, definitely getting the feeling like we're not alone, getting some activity, um, he was getting more activity than I was at the time, I think, because I was just so tired, I was like, eh, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) it's because he was saying it was coming in the wee hours of the morning i was like yeah i'm out (laughs) but we would walk around and you could feel and sense like people were around even though it was dark and nobody around and then there were other places we would stop at to experience some activity or find a ghost or something and they would just feel flat and be like i don't know why there's nobody here but apparently nobody wants to haunt this place
0: <laughs> it gets washed out after a while i think i don't know i'm not sure i'm not an expert on ghost town so i have no idea so oh,
1: i'm not either <laughs> uh, i just enjoy walking through them
0: sure Sure. So let's talk about your uh, UFO or UAP encounters.
1: So this happened over a period of probably three or four years to where I would just be driving or walking and all of a sudden,ly I'd feel like I'm being watched and I'd be looking around and I'm like, well, yeah, there's cars or there's people around. But knowing that, I would still get the feeling and so I would look up and then I would see this mysterious light or mysterious object moving in the sky and I was like, oh, well that's a UFO. And as soon as I would see it, I would, you know, if I was driving and say it was in the upper right of the windshield when I saw it, I would look again like a mile down the road exact same spot. I'd look five miles down the road, exact same spot. Now, I'm not a scientist or an expert, but I don't think objects can stay in the same spot over that much distance. And yes, my windshield was clean, so I wasn't
0: (laughs) seen. (laughs) Because people question that on you. Do they question that on you often, Michael? (laughs) about your windshield
1: (laughs) Uh, and at one point some of the times I would get out of the car and look at it and it's like I could not hear a single sound from it but I would see it and I would know it was there and I would have a feeling of you know it just wanted me to know it's there they're not here for me they're not here to do anything it was just like a hey we're here And one night, I was at my parents' house, and something said to go outside. And so I was like, I went outside, nighttime, there's like four or five clouds in the sky, you know, those kind of nights where it's partly cloudy, very few, but mostly clear. Well, one of them, and I mean just one cloud, had like yellow bursts red bursts side side sometimes at the same time sometimes. and the first thought in my head is as i'm looking at this going this is a ufo battle because this looks like a fight Mm. there's no crackling of thunder there's no lightning anywhere else in the sky looks like little bursts, like something impacted something so fortunately this time i said i went inside and i go mom you want to see something really cool she goes what i go come here you want to see a ufo battle she's like a what and she walked outside with me and she saw it too that it was like the strangest thing you'd ever see and as um watching it too it's like you'd see yellow red yellow yellow red and then all of a sudden it'd be like red yellow. it's like they switch so it's like oh so now they're like maneuvering and probably hit something so i was like this definitely is a battle
0: well that's rare so that's that was pretty cool to witness all that it so,
1: was and the uh, funny thing about it was so my house is like a two minute drive from my parents' house and if I was to orientate myself from their front yard looking at where the battle was, if I went down it would be about where my house is. So I was like this was like taking place what optically looked like above my house.
0: Wow. Well, this show is called, you know, Wife of a Demon Hunter. So have you ever encountered things that were a little more demonic than ghost-like?
1: I wouldn't say I've encountered demonic energy yet, but I have encountered energy of, like, people who, if they could, they would hurt you, but it's not because... They're demonic, it's because that's their nature. They're just really angry spirits and
0: mm-hmm.
1: angry about something or they just I get maybe we're mistreated and just lash out. And so yeah, I can't say I've really come across something that said, I need to leave, this is demonic, I need to call somebody.
0: Good. That's good. Um, So do you think that ghosts, so let's just say if they were kind of a jerk in life, they would be kind of a jerk in their ghost realm? You know,
1: I, I have a feeling that that is very possible because we come across spirits who we feel like Okay, so one location that, that's really rampant is called Old Park Hotel in Ballinger, Texas. And they have a few outlaws that stayed there, and there's a jail ac- across the street from them. Well, there were a couple of murders there, and there's a one room in particular that you go in, and it just feels thick and heavy, and it's like, yeah, I, I don't think I could stay in there for, like, an hour or two, it's like, at the, to a certain point, I'm like, okay, I gotta step out, and they call it the, um, uh, his name's escaping the Deacon's room, he was an outlaw named Deacon who was a lawman, who was also an outlaw. And it's like I could feel like his energy of meanness and like you're intruding in my space and this is my territory and so yeah, he comes off as really strong and heavy and so a lot of people interpret that as mean and bad and that's how he was in life and so i do feel it is quite possible that as we are in life we are in death if we choose to be
0: so what do you think makes a ghost why are there ghosts
1: so one theory i think about is a ghost is nothing more than someone who really loved the land and is attached to the land, and wants to take care of the land, so they're there to make sure their land is well taken care of. Then there are spirits who I feel are ghosts that somebody took their life or they took their life over something and they want their story to be told so that doesn't happen again and so they're waiting for people to talk with and feel that their story is told and they're going to be remembered and then maybe then they'll part on or go on to the next leg of the journey and other spirits i feel like are what I kind of call like guardians and guides where they're there to make sure that people who uh, say are gifted or stuff, when they come to do stuff, that the ground is protected. So if somebody brings something in, it leaves and it doesn't, Like, one energy doesn't start to overtake the others and force others to a life of, say, misery. That they're there to keep the balance. And then, I also feel like some of the ghosts that we see aren't actually ghosts. They may be, like, another dimension where... For some reason, the veil between the dimensions is really soft. And so we're able to gleam into their life doing what they're doing. And they're gleaming into our world and seeing what we're doing. And so we're thinking we're looking at a ghost when actually we're looking at a real person, just not in our dimension.
0: You talk about um, having a sense of seeing and hearing and sensing spirits. So tell me what that's like.
1: So how it works for me is I can go into a building and I will all of a sudden have what I've kind of sort of nicknamed like a Spidey sense. Like if you've seen Spider-Man where all of a sudden it's like he gets tingles and he's like okay something's around that's what it's kind of like for me is i'll start to feel like something's watching me or something's trying to get my attention or something here and at times i'll hear a voice over my shoulder or like i'll hear whispers somewhere and i'll start to try and Bigger. I'll start like zooming my head like I'm a satellite dish or something because I'm like, okay, where is this coming from? And there are times when, if I'm really focused, I can see what's going on around that. Maybe an image from the past or just maybe something that the spirits wanted to share with me. And so those, that's sort of how my gift starts. And I think it's that way because of the Reiki training that I did to where I became more in, in tune with the energies around.
0: I'm a, I'm a Reiki master myself, and I understand about the Reiki energy. Um, and once you start using Reiki on people, it's interesting the things that you can feel with the, you know, your clients as far as, you know, the messages that their body and stuff gives to you. So that is very, very cool. So would you live with a ghost? Would you have a ghost in your house?
1: So since I've grown up with the paranormal around me, I jokingly say at times like my house or my parents' house, we kind of have a paranormal grand central station or times square because we'll find that there's certain spots in the house to where there's, you can sense a lot of activity going on to where other spots are not as active. And so I don't mind it. And I even joke with them that, um, Say I put my sunglasses down or my keys or something down somewhere or a pen, and then I go to grab it and it's not there, I'll be like, okay, guys, very funny. Feel free to put it back or at least put it back where I can find it. And most times I do and sometimes I don't. But, yeah, I I tend to find as long as you respect them, they respect you and you acknowledge them, I don't feel they feel the need to like start like ripping things off of walls or pulling you out of the bed like they show in the movies because I mean there's no point they know you know they're there so me I'm like yeah I don't see the reason why a spirit would need to pull me out of bed when they can just walk up and be like hey and I'll be like
0: what's
1: up? What do you need? Like you got my attention. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so what do you, what is your thought about ghost rescues? Like, um, having ghosts go to the other side. Some people are against it because, you know, like there's a lot of money in, um, a haunted house. If you have a lot of ghost hunters that will come and pay and go into a house or whatever, but, Um, Do you believe that the spirit is stuck here and that maybe it should go, you know, to its destination that it was supposed to have gone through? Because, you know, there's a belief system that the ghosts are here because, like you said, they're obsessed with something or a suicide or a death. And, you know, they're not really sometimes they don't realize that they're dead. So do you think that um, you should rescue the ghost or you should just leave him alone?
1: I think it depends on the ghosts more than the owners and my parents and I have discussions about this a lot and I don't necessarily agree with a lot of people who go in and say, yeah, I've cleansed the energy here. The spirits are gone and there's been no activity since. And I'm like, well if you didn't have the owner's permission or the spirit's permission, then I think what you did is wrong and a disservice to the spirit. And if a spirit asked me to help them, I would I would want to know why they need the help and what the help they need, because in my opinion, spirit, is just energy so when we say it's stuck somewhere i don't necessarily agree that it's stuck there because i mean energy is energy so i don't know how we could contain energy in one spot and keep it there all the time and so i think that's just because a spirit is there frequently we interpreted as stuck sometimes but I do also feel though there are times that like some spirits may be stuck in like a Groundhog's Day type of event where an energy they're around is making them relive over and over certain events and they don't know how to break free but For me to go in and break free a spirit or release the spirit from the grounds, I would have to understand why it needs help and also what lesson it's there to learn because that's the other thing being from the metaphysical background is I was taught everything we do are lessons. So everything put in front of us is a lesson to learn from or to experience. And so I was taught by someone that says, you know, I know this is going to sound horrible, but bear with me. When you see a little kid running towards a ball in the middle of a street and a car is coming, do you run over and saved the kid from the car. And at first, when I was asked that, I said, absolutely. And she goes, well, that child was supposed to learn from being hit by that car. So since you took that lesson from him, two days later, he was hit by a train, which would have been the better death or lesson for him to learn. And I had to go, whoa never thought about that and so now i'm like i've trained myself before i leap i gotta check both sides and make sure everything is on the level so i don't rob somebody of something and make something worse
0: it changes the fate so do you believe poltergeists are different from ghosts or the same thing (laughs)
1: I think poltergeists are spirits, yes, but I think they're another level of spirit to where, so one analogy I use is when we look at somebody in school who is struggling, we call them dumb, we call them slow and a lot of people start doing that well this kid could be really bright he just doesn't it's not clicking for him but because everybody constantly is saying dumb he gives up Hmm. well i feel like the spirits are the same way if we say oh my gosh this spirit's demonic oh my gosh this spirit is evil and they're not but so many people just keep coming in then they're like alright you know what you, you're you saying on this I'll give you this and so they charge themselves up they start learning you know how to harness all of that and then boom you start getting poltergeist activity because you've ramped them up and I'm not saying there's not spirits that already are out there that are like able to do that and lash out and you know that's what they're all about but sometimes i gotta wonder is it more of we've created it because of our ignorance of what these on the other side over yeah you know that's what it was so yes we experienced it yes it's a poltergeist okay
0: <clears throat> I view it as a double-edged sword. So what equipment do you use when you go out on a ghost hunt?
1: Right now, I tend to be using a body cam because I found when I carry a cell phone or camera, when I turn it off, stuff happens.
0: <laughs> so I know, that always happens, right? it's on. <laughs> I always hate that. It's like, good things happen when the camera's off.
1: (laughs) I know, and I tend to use an IR camera. I've started using cat balls some more, and I've started getting back into using the K2, but mainly I seem to carry around a little digital dictaphone right now, or EVP, an IR camera to just film or take pictures in a body cam.
0: How often do you um, go on a ghost hunt?
1: As often as my schedule allows, I wish, but right now I am about one or two times a month.
0: And so how do people, uh, how do you find the ghosts, the places to um, to investigate?
1: So, like, Ballinger I found because the team I was with was like, hey, let's go. Some of them I find from doing research on the internet, looking up, you know, places that other people have been, or knowing with my history degree where certain events have happened, so to go, okay, okay. There's got to be some hot spots around here because of this incident or this incident. And others is from other people just saying, hey, have you been here? And I'm like, no, why? What's over there? And they start talking to me about it. I'm like, shoot, I, I don't know how I don't know about that. I definitely need to go over there. And, of course, as you're driving over to that location, you see signs of stuff and you're like I didn't know that was here and so then it's like okay need to stop over here gotta check this out so yeah there's many ways to find out about where or what's haunted in the area
0: so um would you consider cemeteries one of the most haunted places or not
1: I would say cemeteries are tricky because you would expect with all the graves there and all the bodies there to be a lot of activity and I have found somewhere yes there is activity there and I found somewhere there's not so much activity and I think the reason is is because in our minds we figure this is the last place this person was, so this is our best place to find them. Where they may be, you know, hanging out in the house next door where they grew up instead of in a cemetery. Or they may have had a favorite tree that they like to lay under, and so wherever that tree was, that's where they haunt. And it could be a building now, and so... Everyone will say, oh, this building's haunted by a ghost from, you know, the building's past. And it's like, no, it's haunted, the building's haunted because of what happened on the land before the building was there sometimes.
0: So that happens a lot as more of the land versus the building itself.
1: I think it is. I think it's because we, our country is so young history wise that we forget that there were people and tribes and cultures running around in the open land and living, making an existence, having stuff happen. And so we go wow, you know, this this building's haunted. It's got to be a ghost, you know, that died in the building. Well, no, it could have been somebody who died on the land before the building was there, but we don't like to think about that because it's harder for us to prove and validate that claim.
0: There's a show on called Ghost. You know, there was a British version, and now there's an American version. And in the sh- in the show Ghost the ghosts are limited to a certain fence line. Do you believe that wherever their death state is or um, whatever happened, that they only have a certain amount of pla- places they can go? So like a loop or something?
1: You know, I, I know the show you're talking about and I loved watching <laughs> it. I thought it was great how they had her being the one that communicate with them. But I honestly... I don't think that the ghosts really would be limited to the land there. Other than their belief that they're limited by the land there. If they feel like they can't move beyond a certain point, then the energy I feel like is going to keep them from going beyond that certain point. I don't think there's a barrier itself that says, Hey you can't leave but, like, the ghost of the car. She was able to leave, even though the car was on the land, but she was like, well, she could only go, like, five feet from the car. Well, I, you know, I was like, well, who determined that when they had the whole browns of the house? And it's like, that didn't seem fair. right? And so I was like yeah i don't know who's determining what distance the ghost got to do but it did make for funny
0: yeah it does (laughs) it's a funny show Uh, you were featured in a spotlight on the paranormal can you tell me what that is and um how others can find it
1: so spotlight on the paranormal is a friend of mine angela johnston and her husband paul johnston and there are a couple of paranormal investigator enthusiasts and their idea was
0: "There, we need para unity to
1: come back and we need to build up community to where, you know, a paranormal investigator needs help. Who do they reach out to? Because we don't, like I found out there were two or three paranormal teams in my backyard that disbanded, but I didn't even know they existed. Mm. And so now what they're doing is you can reach out to them through the website. I believe it's spotlightontheparanormal.com. I'll send you the link and verify it. And you can put up your bio of your experiences, where you're located. And if your location, what's the history of your location? What claims do you have there? So that paranormal investigators may go, well, I'm going to be, say, in Tennessee in a week. I wonder if there's anything haunted there. Well, if you go to Spotlight on the Paranormal, you can go and look and go, oh, hey, there's a house in Tennessee that's haunted. Maybe we can go there and investigate. So it's a way to bring awareness of different teams, different individuals, different locations around the U.S. So if you were to go somewhere, you could reach out to them and say, hey, where's a fun spot to go? Where's Or, hey, would you like to collaborate and, you know, maybe do an investigation when
0: I'm in the area? Have you ever been in Michigan? I have not. Uh, It's haunted here, too. (laughs) Oh, I think everywhere. I know. Have you ever been to, you know, the Massachusetts area? You know, uh, Salem?
1: I have been to Salem when I was younger. And I was on the Constitution as a... Probably before my teenage years. So it's been a while, and... I'm pretty sure I probably had some paranormal experiences, but being so young, I probably just brushed them off and was like, yeah, that's just, you know, I think
0: I just saw something or felt something. I was like, yeah, Yeah, you're a kid. You just like whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I know we should get like a bus tour (laughs) to go to these different places, get a bunch of paranormal people and, and a bus tour and do some hauntings. That would be great. Wouldn't that be fun? Do all that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> run a bus. Be
1: like the ultimate road trip yeah, right.
0: Because, like <laughs> you know, you have, out- you know, whoever, whatever, like you get everyone there and whatever state you're in, the, you know, that person can host, you know, in each state or something. You know, that'd be sort of like a, right. you know, yeah, that'd be fun. So you should put it together. We should put it together. So yeah. uh, <laughs> let's talk about your podcast. Um, what are the subjects that you talk about and, um, you know, how can we find them? your podcasts.
1: So my the podcast I host is called the energy that surrounds us. And I co-host and my co-host is Carla Norris. And we have a Facebook page. We just started up for it. So if you go to uh, Facebook and look up the energy that surrounds us, I believe you'll find the page. Or it may be. I think she's got it under another name, but I believe you can find it, and it's posted on my personal timeline too. Links to it when I post the podcast show. And so the energy that surrounds us. The story of that is. So last year, we were approached by the Paranormal United Network to have a podcast and. They were like you know i know you said no before but i think you'd be really great and so i was like you know what i think you're right so let's give it a shot and i was like yeah i'm a little over my head right now but my friend carla was talking about her stuff and her team and that being southern fried spirits paranormal and they were wanting to do something and i said you know Carla, I got an opportunity to do a podcast. Why don't you join up with me? We can see what it's like, see if there's something we want to do. And so we started in July, the end of July, exploring our secret past because I wanted a show to where we were open to any subject of the paranormal. Well, we started getting a lot of guests and people going... So what's the secret past that your show's about? And I was like, Okay, yeah, this is a little confusing, I get it. And so in December we were talking and and I said, We gotta rebrand. We gotta redo our show. We we've got you know, say six months under our belt. What can we do to really spice up the show and bring, you know, more people and I don't want to talk about stuff like cryptids, UFOs, you know, paranormal or like triangles that are around that are active and all kinds of stuff. I don't want it to be everyone thinking we only talking about doing ghost hunting or investigations of ghosts. And so Carla was like, you know, you're you're right. And we were tossing around some names and. She said something about, you know, there's energy all around us. You know, everything is energy. And we, like, had this moment of, ah uh-huh, go we should call our show the energy that surrounds us. And then we can talk about everything paranormal. And I, we she was like, yeah. And so that's how our name launched. And... I sent her a bunch of images and like a little video I put together and I said, you know, how about this for an intro? And she goes, give me a little bit. I, I can tweak it We'll we'll make it really cool. And so that's where our intro was born out of is trying to showcase some of the ideas that we're wanting to bring and some of the ideas that we're interested in that we feel like some people may be and some people may not be, but, yeah, you know, we want to do it. And so that show is Tuesday night, 9 o'clock Central Time, and it's about an hour long. Sometimes we go a little longer. And our show... Right now, we're having a lot of paranormal teams or local teams coming on and different um, investigators coming in. We have some guests coming on that make equipment. So we're going to be touching on that aspect. And our goal is to learn from, instead of asking the guess like you know the normal questions of how'd you get started what you know is your scariest spot what's this i mean we ask them but we also ask them what's your favorite technique where where did you learn this technique why do you use it because we feel like that's a piece of information that people will really like to know and also we want to share our experiences and why we use certain techniques or certain equipment at certain places. Like we have a military base that we both had an experience at in mineral wells, Fort Walters. And to this day, we can't explain what happened is we, I was just meeting her team, the Southern fried spirits, paranormal, For the first time, we were at Fort Walters, and this couple from Chicago that was investigating with them to see what it was like comes up and says, you know, we're hearing this laugh over and over every 12 minutes. I was like, what are you talking about? There is no laugh. I've been here for several months. There's no laughter. And They're like, hold on, it's about to happen. And sure enough, it happened. And we spent probably an hour to an hour and a half moving around this room to figure out where the laugh is coming from to then Carla, a friend of ours named Tony, a friend of mine named Cindy, and I went back the following Friday and we heard it again. And this was blowing our mind because we've never gone to a location hearing the same thing twice mm-hmm. and spent another hour, maybe hour and a half, trying to figure out. Come to find out there is a doll that when you put the batteries in makes that sound. But the ball the doll had no batteries in it at the time. So we still don't know what made the sound. We know where the sound's coming from, we just don't know what, and it drives us nuts that we're like, we can't answer this, and we (laughs) we can't hear it all the time, and now we're starting to find it's no longer in the doll room, it's maybe heard in another section of the building, and so it's like, oh my god, the thing's now moving, we can't figure (laughs) out what it was here, but now it's over there.
0: (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, the residual of it is like, where is it coming from? Um, I have a question for you. Do you believe in Bigfoot?
1: I do, actually. I, I believe he's either an interdimensional creature or a creature that lives in the hollow earth. And what I think the reason why he's so elusive, my personal opinion, is the reason all the photos are blurry and everything of him is... We're seeing him going from one portal to another. So our cameras and equipment can't register that energy field of that portal. And he's in motion. So we all know that cameras, you know, when yeah. something's in motion, makes it kind of blurry. And so that's why we can't find his home. It's because his home's not on the surface or it's not even on the planet.
0: What about Dogman.
1: Dogman, I actually did a video researching, and I was surprised to learn is on, like, seven different countries have the same stories of the same creatures. And I tried to find a pattern to see if what was going on, you know, that could be causing these you know, people to think that there's a dog man or experience a dog man, and to find out he comes out in the daytime, he comes out in the morning, afternoon, evening, cold, hot. And so I was like, I don't know what this cryptid is, but he has zero pattern to where I could predict where he is. <laughs> and to me, that has me super curious, and I'm like, man, if I ever experience an encounter with him, I would be like on cloud nine going, (laughs) I don't know what in the universe aligned to this, but I am glad it did.
0: (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Um, Well, Michael, I want to thank you um, for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, It was very interesting and I appreciate you sharing all of your experience um, with my uh, um, audience. So, Until next time, this is Dorinda Stewart and I am the wife of a demon hunter.